Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. Oh my goodness, am I happy that you're here. Seriously, it is the coolest thing to me that you guys come back every single week and tune into the show. It makes me so fun to sit behind this microphone and record these episodes for you. The only thing I wish is that you were sitting across from me with a cup of coffee so we could chat in person. But you know what? This will have to do for now. So wherever you're at, maybe you're having your own cup of coffee, maybe you're driving somewhere, maybe you're out for a walk. I'm just so excited that I get to hang out with you and I'm so happy that you're here. Now, I have a funny story that I wanted to share with you from a few weeks ago, and it was about my first ever first class flight experience. And this story has inspired me to create an entire podcast episode about it. No, this episode is not about how great free cocktails are in first class. This podcast episode is actually about imposter syndrome, something that I was not expecting in that moment, but felt it very, very real. And I felt it many, many times throughout my life in different situations. And I have a feeling that maybe a lot of you have too. So without further ado, let's dive on in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way. Mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. All right. So it is story time my friends. So this is a funny and honestly slightly embarrassing story that I want to tell you about my recent and first ever first class flight experience. So I was flying back home from Kansas and I had a long layover in Dallas. Like when I say long, I mean seven hours long. Thankfully, my friend Courtney, who you guys heard from last week on the podcast, saved me from my seven hour layover and we made the most of it. But When I came back to the airport, I, you know, got my bags, went to the bathroom, got my water bottle filled, all the last minute before you board your flight to do's. And when I go to give the the lady right by the jet bridge my ticket and scan it in, I go to scan my ticket and it beeps at me like it didn't work. And of course, my first thought is panic. Like, oh my gosh, did I get kicked off of this flight? Am I on the wrong one? Am I going to make it? And she said, oh, no worries. You just got a flight. You got your seat changed. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. Um, So she hands me my new boarding pass and it says 4A. I'm like, 4A, that sounds awfully close to the front of the plane, doesn't it? Now, just to give you guys some context, I am somebody who is a bootstrapper in a lot of ways. So I'm all about getting the cheapest flight, always. I've always flown coach and I have have no problems with coach. I honestly, when I look at how much it costs to fly first class, I'm like, who? Who are these people? One day, I would like to be these people, but it just feels very far off for me right now to be someone that could justify spending that much money on first class. If you are listening to this and are a first class flyer, more power to you. It's the good life. And now I know I got a taste of it. Ironically, during this layover, I was just chatting with Courtney because both of us love to travel. And I told her that I had never flown first class. And I said, honestly, I don't know if I want to fly first class until I know that I can do it regularly. Because once you know what it's like on the other side, 
I feel like coach is going to be harder to experience. <laughs> and of course, that was the same the same day that I happened to get upgraded to first class. So how did this happen? How did I get upgraded? I didn't even know this was a thing that happened, but I've been flying a lot more for speaking engagements all around the country, and I've been trying to use the same airline so I could build up these points. And to be honest with you, I'm, I, I'm not even sure what these points are for, but I did get an email the other day from American Airlines that said I had reached gold status. And I was like, okay, gold status. Not really even sure what that meant, but it sounded fancy. And um, after that seven-hour layover, I finally figured out what it was. One of the perks of gold status is getting free upgrades when there are empty first-class seats, y'all. Yeah, I got a free upgrade to first class. So I grabbed my bag. I'm wearing, just to set the scene, I, I usually travel in comfy athleisure wear. So I've got my tennis shoes. I've got my leggings with holes in them. My hair is greasy and unwashed that I'm trying to hide up in a braid and strolling my little butt here on to first class. Okay. Now, as I get settled in, I'm like, wow, it is very roomy right here. I'm in the last row of first class. I sit down, stuff my stuff away. And as per usual, I nodded off while the flight attendants were doing the announcements. And when I woke up, they had just started serving beverages. And as, as the flight attendant is walking down the aisle, I look over and I see that the people across from me have their tray tables open. And I, and I look at my seat and I could not for the life of me figure out where the heck the tray tables were coming from. Listen, I'm a coach girl, okay? I'm the one that sits in the back of the plane right by the bathrooms because it's the cheapest seats, no upgrades for me. And I'm looking at the seat in front of me. Usually there's this seat back tray table, right? And I'm like, okay, I don't see it on the seat in front of me. I start frantically touching every single piece of this seat that looks like it could potentially be a button. Just, I look ridiculous. I know how ridiculous I'm looking and I cannot figure it out. And finally, after fooling with this for multiple minutes, it felt like an hour, I muster up the courage to just go ahead and freaking ask the flight attendant, like, okay, you win, you win trade table. I, you've outsmarted me. I don't know where the heck you are. So I tap the flight attendant on the shoulder. I'm like, hey, sorry, um, where's the trade table up here? You know, meanwhile, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's totally knows that this, I'm a first timer. She didn't even crack a smile, y'all. All she did was casually nudge my arm to the side and reveal that the trade tables apparently in first class are hidden very well, I might add inside of the armrest, inside of the armrest. So she opens up the armrest. Who, who, who's supposed to know that that's how that works? And out of this armrest comes this folding tray table. It is a very nice tray table, but I can't be the only one who's struggled to find this because I felt so ridiculous, but I was like, all right, cool, cool. No big deal. I've got a tray table now. I felt so, so silly, but just wait, it gets better. So the flight attendant asked me what I wanted to drink. And in true indecisive fashion, I'm working on becoming more decisive, y'all. I'm a work in progress. I just said sparkling water because that's what I heard the woman in front of me order. And I'm like, sure, sure, that sounds great. I'll do sparkling water. And so she takes my order and asks the people, my neighbors across the aisle, what they would like. And I hear the woman say, I'd like a gin and tonic. Oh, and then I had this moment. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I am in first freaking class. That means I get to order fancy drinks for free. Now, y'all, this was my first time in first class and it was an unexpected upgrade. I was not going to miss out on my opportunity to get my fancy drinks for free. So I timidly tapped the flight attendant on her shoulder again and I asked for a cranberry vodka. Now, the way that the words came out of my mouth, 
I like just nudge, I just gently tap her. And the way that I say it made me sound like a scared little college student using my cousin's ID for the first time to illegally get into a Halloween party at a bar a few months before I turned 21. I know, I'm such a rebel. It's funny that I say that because I was such a rule follower growing up that this was so out of character for me, but I admit I, I did use somebody else's ID once to get into a bar. Lord, forgive me. Mom, forgive me. It's fine. We were moved, we've moved on from there. Anyways, I tap her on the shoulder and I ask her like, uh, can I have a cranberry vodka? Like it was the first time I'd ever ordered a cocktail in my life. And after she walked away, I laughed out loud at myself. I was sitting there like, what is wrong with me? Why am I so nervous? Why am I acting so stinking awkward? Like just days before this, I was confidently dancing and speaking on stage in front of a room of hundreds of women. And here I am sitting in a first class seat, feeling so nervous, talking to a flight attendant. And I realized I was having a full blown imposter syndrome episode. I didn't feel like I belonged. I felt like a fraud. I felt like someone was going to find me out and know that I wasn't meant for first class. Kind of silly, right? Like so silly. But I, you know, I'm the type of person who usually when I get on a flight and I'm walking past the first class section, I'm always looking over and just casually people watching thinking, hmm, what kind of people fly first class? Like I wonder what these people do. Like I'll look on their on their shirts to try to see if I could see a logo or a name of a company or maybe see a famous person. Brent, my husband and I did see Dog the Bounty Hunter once on a flight. And honestly, I didn't even recognize him, but Brent did. Surprisingly shorter than I expected. Fun fact. Um, I've seen Temple Grandin on a on a flight before in first class, but I always wonder like, who are these people? What do they do? They must be really successful in order to afford these bougie seats. And so when I was sitting there in first class, not even knowing how to open a freaking tray table, being afraid to order a cocktail, all I'm thinking to myself is, I'm not Dog the Bounty Hunter. Okay, <laughs> okay I'll be honest. That thought did not cross my mind, but that cracks me up thinking about me having that thought that I'm not Dog the Bounty Hunter. It's true. I'm not Dog the Bounty Hunter. Although he has a fabulous head of hair. Okay, I'm getting very distracted here. But I'm just sitting there thinking, I I don't make enough money to be sitting here. Like, I am not bougie enough for this. I mean, in my dreams, I am. When I think about my future, when I think about my vision board, she definitely flies first class. But that's not me. I don't belong here. And I had a full-blown imposter syndrome experience. And I thought it was so funny as I caught it in the moment because it just felt so silly. I journaled about it. I even took a picture I'll have to share it on my social media so you guys can see it after listening to this episode, but I even took a picture and usually in first class, apparently, I don't know, you guys, I'm a, new, I'm a newbie. I've done it once. I guess usually they feed you a meal, but on this flight, for some reason, they didn't have meals, but they did have a basket of snacks. And one of the snacks that they had were pitted olives. My husband is obsessed with olives lately and it just felt so bougie. I'm like, um, yes, I'll take the olives with my cocktail. And I, I just, I had to take a picture. I'm like, who knows if I'll ever get upgraded again. I'm going to soak in this experience. I lounged out, took myself a nap. It was wonderful, but I absolutely felt like an imposter. So I mentioned the word imposter syndrome, and maybe some of you guys can relate to kind of this experience and feeling that I'm sharing, but imposter syndrome is a real thing. Now, when I looked up on the interwebs how it is defined, the dictionary defines it as the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. 
Imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. Maybe the reason I felt like as an, an imposter is because I did not pay for a first class seat. Maybe that's why I felt like an imposter. Like, did I legitimately deserve this? However, I have been on a lot of flights and I earned those points that got me upgraded. So absolutely, I deserve I deserved first class experience, but it definitely didn't feel like that in the moment. Now, maybe you all have some experiences in your own life of feeling like an imposter. I'm going to share with you a few of the signs of what imposter syndrome might feel like and how it shows up in our lives and a few other examples of how I've seen it show up in my own. So what are the signs of imposter syndrome? Well, one of them is self-doubt questioning your ability, questioning whether you belong, this feeling of feeling like a fraud, like, oh my gosh, someone's going to find out that I don't belong here. Someone's going to find out that I'm not qualified to be here. Someone's going to find out that I, I don't fit. Another way I've heard someone describe it, my friend Jess described it to me a little bit like she felt like she was playing dress up, like just playing pretend, just playing a role, but not actually being the role, if that makes sense. Another sign of imposter syndrome is actually overachieving or overcompensating. Like if you feel like you don't belong or deserve maybe a job or a role that you've been given, because you feel like you're a fraud, you feel this need to overcompensate and, and do more than is expected of you because you feel like if you don't, people are going to know that you don't belong there. It can look like being unable to really assess your competence and skill level, like under underselling yourself not believing that you're actually as capable as you truly, truly are. Another sign of imposter syndrome is attributing our successes to outside external factors. Or if you've ever had this feeling of, I just got lucky. I just got lucky. It's because I was in the right place at the right time. I, I just got lucky, right? Like I had nothing to do with the reason I'm here. It was something else that brought me here. Another example is downplaying your own performance having this fear of not being able to meet expectations. It can also look like setting really unrealistic goals for yourself and feeling really disappointed when you fail them. The way I best describe it is just the feeling like a fraud and it can manifest itself in so many different areas of our lives. I know that it has for me. And when I think back to some of the instances that I've experienced, I think the first one that comes to mind for me when I really distinctly felt like I do not belong here. Someone's going to find out that they made a mistake was my first week in college sitting in this huge auditorium at UC Davis. I was sitting there listening to the professor thinking, oh no, oh no, I am not, I am not smart enough for this. The college admissions team clearly made a mistake because I am not cut out for this business. You know, I was really good at high school, but college, I don't know. I don't know y'all. I don't know if I was meant to be here. I think a lot of people feel this when they start a new role or position or they start a new school. I think this is a really, really common place to feel it. We feel it in a lot of our life transitions. So maybe it's starting a school, like going to college for the first time. Maybe it's accepting a job or maybe get, getting promoted in a job. That can be an instance where a lot of us feel imposter syndrome, like, oh, oh, shoot. Oh, they think that I'm qualified to be here. Well, I don't feel that way. They're going to find out. I felt that way for a long time in college. The first quarter of my freshman year, pretty much that entire first quarter, I felt like I did not deserve to be in those seats. You know, other times I felt imposter syndrome too is in social circles as well. 
I remember going to parties in college or hanging out with certain people in college thinking, I am not cool enough to be here. They are totally going to discover that I am not as cool or trendy or hip, and I, I don't deserve to be in the same circle. I don't, I don't fit here. Maybe you have felt that way too. You know, I even felt it a little bit when I was in high school too. I'm someone who, and, and we'll talk about this later on in an, in an upcoming episode, we'll talk more about the Enneagram, but for those of you that are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 3, which is I'm an achiever. And one of the things I'm I'm pretty good at is trying to be whoever I think other people expect me to be. And I think in a way that makes me feel like an imposter when I'm trying to fit in with different groups of people. And when I was in high school, I grew up in a really, really rural town. So my graduating eighth grade class was 10 people, which was one of the biggest graduating classes from my rural elementary school. It was one of those places where there were, it was kindergarten through eighth grade, three grades in a classroom only three teachers in the whole school. And it's even smaller now. And half the school was my cousins. And so when I went to college or when I went to high school, my high school is an hour away and it was a big school for me. It was maybe 12 to 1400 kids. And I come from this little podunk elementary school. I didn't know a lot of the kids at the high school. And so I wanted to make friends with all of these people and I really wanted to fit in. And I remember feeling like an imposter in different groups. I would try different things I tried doing the youth group thing for a while, which was hard because I lived an hour from town and youth group was always in the evenings. And I remember going to youth group a few times at one of the local churches thinking like, oh my gosh, I am totally an imposter. Someone's going to call me out for not knowing the Bible stories because I don't I don't know a lot of these references, what they're talking about. I felt like a total fraud, a total fraud. And there were so many instances like that, social instances where I felt like a fraud, like I didn't fit into the group. And those are just a few examples. I think that other times I feel like I felt like a fraud was going to a workout class for the first time or walking into a gym for the first time, feeling like I am not a fit person. I don't know how to use this equipment. They're going to know I don't come here regularly just by looking at me, let alone not ever seeing my face in here. They're totally going to know that I don't belong. And I felt like a total, total fraud every time that I went into a fitness class or a gym. And it would cause all of this anxiety and a lot of times it would hold me back from going back again because I felt like I just didn't fit. Other times I felt like an imposter were in my business. Even before being in my business, when I accepted jobs, my first job was the Kentucky Beef Council. And when they gave me the job, I had to do things like go on the local television show and do a beef recipe cooking demo on live television. Talk about imposter syndrome. I'm like, I, um, my cooking skills are subpar, but here I am. I'm going to pretend that I know what the heck I'm doing for my job on live TV. Let's hope this goes well, like totally faking this. And I felt it really bad there. And even before that, after college, I guess it was my senior year of college, I applied for this German transatlantic cultural ambassadorship program that I did after college. And the interview I got, I was one of the last 150 finalists for this program. And I had to go to an interview at the German consulate in San Francisco. And I remember I was so afraid of driving to San Francisco in the first time, in the first place. Remember, I'm this rural country girl. I convinced my sweet friend and roommate, JC, to, by some miracle, ask her professor if she could take her final early so that she could chauffeur me and drive me in her car on Valentine's Day to downtown San Francisco 
so that I could go to this interview with the German consulate. And she sat in a coffee shop around the corner for three hours as I was at this interview. And I had never felt more like an imposter. I'm like, I can't speak a single word of German except hello and danke. And they're not going to pick me. They're going to know that I'm not cut out for this program. And then when I got when I got one of the spots, one of the 75 spots, and they accepted me to go to Germany, talk about full-blown imposter syndrome. Ooh, I felt it. Ooh, I felt it. And I feel it all the time now in my business. My first time as an entrepreneur, I started by having a creative business called Burley and Barley, and I did graphic design and watercolor illustration for a lot of farms and ranches. And I remember pitching myself to clients knowing full well or feeling full well that I was not a professional, that I had no idea what I was doing. I was a self-taught graphic designer and a self-taught illustrator. I had zero credentials. I took zero classes. I was just making it up as I went. And I was asking these people to pay me and positioning myself as a professional. Like I knew what the heck I was doing. And yeah, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. Like not only do I not know anything about business, never taken a business class in my life, don't know anything about taxes or accounting or or legalese or any of those things. And I don't even really know that much about graphic design and illustration. I was just rolling with the little bit that I knew and hoping, like feeling like I just hoped that people wouldn't find me out. And maybe you felt this way too. I think a lot of us feel this way when we try anything new, when we try it, when we start a new role or a position, when we put ourselves out there, when we try to insert ourselves into a new social circle or a new organization, when we pivot in our life and our business. I think that a lot of us experience imposter syndrome and it can look a lot of different ways. And even here, right now, like imposter syndrome is not something that is from my past. It's still something that I face regularly as a podcaster, right? I didn't know anything about podcasting. Here I am. I've been going, I guess this is what, episode 36? 36 weeks, y'all. I'm just going to take one quick second to um, celebrate myself for that. 36 weeks. I'm very proud of that. But starting it totally felt like an imposter. What do I have to say? Y'all keep coming back and listening though. So thank you. I'm so happy that you're here. But I feel like an imposter in my business today. I am a life coach. And I struggle with imposter syndrome regularly thinking so many women come to me because they want to live healthier lives. But I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not a personal trainer. I have zero, zero fancy credentials. Someone's going to find me out. Someone's going to call me out for not knowing what the heck I'm talking about. They're going to know that I'm a fraud. And if I let that little voice in the back of my head If I believed that as truth, that I was a fraud, that I didn't know what I was talking about, I would have given up a long, long time ago. So how does imposter syndrome impact our life? How do we overcome it? Where does it come from? Let's take a quick break and we'll dive in. I truly believe that if you change your habits, you can change your life. Our life is the result of the habits that we practice daily. Improving your life isn't about making some scary, drastic change overnight. It's about meeting yourself where you're at and making small changes over time that you can actually stick with. But you've got to start small to stay consistent, which is why I put together a free healthy habits checklist to help you do just that. 
Download my free PDF to set your intentions for what small healthy habits you are going to start practicing today. There's a place for you to check them off the list and celebrate every single baby step along the way. You can download yours for free at coachkayacommunity.com forward slash healthy dash habits, or you can click the link below. Again, that's coachkayacommunity.com forward slash healthy dash habits, or click the link in the show notes to download yours today for free. Start changing your life, friend, one healthy habit at a time. So the problem with imposter syndrome is that it doesn't allow us to internalize our experiences of success. And a lot of times, the more successful we become, the more like a fraud that we feel. Like we don't even feel like we're qualified for this level. So if we get a raise or a promotion or we excel even more, we feel like, whoa, wait, I wasn't even, I didn't even feel like I I deserved to be in that role, let alone this next one. The other thing it does is it creates this heightened anxiety and we can feel this need to just continue to overstress or overprepare or overcompensate because we feel like we're lacking and we don't deserve to be there in the first place. And how is this problematic? Imagine doing life and continuing to do life with this heightened anxiety, this heightened stress. I mean, life is stressful enough as it is. And if if we continue to allow imposter syndrome to be this nagging voice in the back of our mind saying, you don't belong here, they're going to know you don't know what you're doing. You're a total fraud. Imagine trying to do anything, let alone do anything well, while having that nagging voice in the back of your head. It's going to be hard to get anywhere. It causes us to self-sabotage ourselves in a lot of ways. It causes us to hold ourselves back. Perpetual imposter syndrome includes a lot of negative thinking, a lot of self-doubt, and a lot of self-sabotage, like I said, and that can impact so many areas of our life. If you're someone who has experienced imposter syndrome or is currently experiencing imposter syndrome, I want you to know that you're not alone. In fact, research shows that 70% of people will experience imposter syndrome at least once in their life. So if you have felt it, if you are feeling it, welcome, join the club. I'm right here with you. You're totally normal. You're totally normal. It's okay. A lot of us feel this way. I think that what's important is for us to recognize and name this feeling that we're feeling though. I think when we give names to these experiences, it can help us really reclaim our power over it. And, you know, we talk a lot about mindset on this podcast and imposter syndrome is so deeply connected to our mindset and our thinking. And so if we know that, if we understand that, if we can recognize it when it's happening and when it shows itself, we can work through it so that we don't let this perpetual imposter syndrome continue to hold us back in life and continue to have a self-sabotaging ourselves and our goals. So before we dive into how we can start overcoming this imposter syndrome that a lot of us are experiencing, what causes it in the first place? You know, I think imposter syndrome can be rooted maybe first of all in how you were brought up in your family. You know, if you think about a family that had a lot of conflict or maybe a family that didn't have a lot of support or a family that was highly, highly critical, maybe some of your internal self-talk is also highly critical. If you had family members that were questioning you or your worth or critiquing your worth or telling you that you are bad or not good or ways to be better, you might have a similar voice in your head that is feeding into that imposter syndrome. That might be somewhere where it began. The other cause, which is kind of some of the examples that I shared earlier, are big life transitions. 
I think it's very normal and common for us to experience the feeling of imposter syndrome when we start a new school, like when we go into college for the first time or or start a new program, when we get a new job or we get promoted in a role. We're basically having to walk into something that we've never done before. And so we don't have any evidence built up in our experience to prove to ourselves yet that we deserve to be there. And so a lot of us at the beginning of that transition can feel like an imposter. But remember, my friends, nobody gets good at anything by trying it once, right? You don't just show up and immediately feel like a professional. You have to be willing to suck at something and start messy and start from the bottom and continue showing up in order to get better. So totally normal to feel that way at the beginning of any life transition. Another thing that can cause it is perfectionism. If we have any people here that struggle with perfectionism or are recovering perfectionists, that can feed into a lot of imposter syndrome. If you're a perfectionist, nothing is ever good enough. So you might already have a voice in the back of your head saying ways that you aren't measuring up and you're not good enough or that you're a fraud or a failure. Another thing that might cause it is social anxiety. If you're someone who already experiences social anxiety, it can contribute to that feeling that you don't belong and really just heighten those feelings of imposter syndrome if you're someone that struggles with that. So imposter syndrome, like I said, 70% of people will experience it. So know that you're not alone. But if we can recognize when it shows itself and why it's showing itself, it can help us have some more compassionate curiosity of how to work through it. So that being said, how do we overcome imposter syndrome? How do we overcome it? You know, I think the first thing is talking about it, talking about it out loud. That is exactly why I'm right here on this podcast talking about it with you. I think maybe even just hearing me talk about how I experience and am currently experiencing imposter syndrome can maybe help you recognize, oh, I'm not alone in this. A lot of our feelings like fear, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, these feelings only grow larger when we keep them inside. I like to think about them like this mold that's growing in the back of a dark closet and we are ashamed of it. We don't want to talk about it. And so we just like keep the closet door shut and keep it hidden away. But guess what? Mold loves a dark closet, right? It just grows and festers and gets bigger. So the way that we actually get rid of imposter syndrome and overcome this feeling of imposter syndrome is by letting it out into the air and into the light, by speaking it out loud and into the world. When we talk about it, it can be easier to process the feelings of imposter syndrome and also question some of those thoughts that might be creating the feeling in the first place. I think that the benefit of talking about out loud with other people too is that other people who love you, who you respect and who respect you can hold up a mirror to you, not literally, but they can, they can show you what they see in you back to you. You know, it's so interesting when I talk to um, one of my best friends, Maddie, she's also my cousin. I'll share with her some of these feelings that I might have about like, I feel like such a fraud, like I don't belong here. And she looks at me, she's like, that blows my mind, Kaya, because when I look at you, I think, oh my God, she's incredible. And and hearing someone else's perspective of you can sometimes be a way for you to increase your own self-belief in yourself. Now, I think we have to be careful too with how we hold other people's opinions close to our heart because sometimes it could also work against us. In fact, I did an entire podcast episode about other people's opinions and why they hurt us or don't hurt us. So go back and listen to that. But I think if it's someone that you love and respect and who loves and respects you, 
I think sometimes talking it out loud and saying these things, they can really help you walk through seeing what's true and where there might just be a, a limiting belief that is feeding in to, the, to these feelings of not belonging or not being good enough or feeling like a fraud. Another way that we can overcome imposter syndrome is by doing an assessment of ourselves. We are very quick to dismiss our accomplishments and our strengths and over-focus on our failures and weaknesses. Humans in general have a negativity bias. Like if you were to go on vacation and it's an amazing vacation, but one terrible thing happens, like you blow out a tire and you get stuck on the side of the road and you have to walk back in the dark. When you think back on the memory of that vacation, your brain is going to immediately think of all of the negative stuff and it's going to not remember as well all the positive things. Our brains are hardwired to focus on negativity and it's a defense mechanism. It's a way that our brain tries to keep us safe. It's always looking for danger. And so our brain is so quick to look at our failures and our weaknesses before it is going to look and give us credit for our accomplishments and our strengths unless we mindfully choose to. So something you can do to help you overcome imposter syndrome is just to take a moment to really think about what you've accomplished and what you're good at. I think that we always, when we achieve goals, or at least this is true for myself, I'm a big dreamer. I think you guys know that by now. I'm a big dreamer. I have a lot of big goals for my life. And it's this moving target that I create for myself, you know? And I was just thinking about this the other day about the dreams that I have for my future and how far they feel. And I had to pause and remind myself, wait a second, Kaya, you're already living your dream right now. You're already living your dream. You're already living the dream that you had when you were in your nine to five job of wanting to have the time, freedom of working for yourself. Check. You're doing that. You're living the dream of your high school self who is so convinced that she was going to die alone. Like you wake up to a man who loves you and you love so much every single morning. You're living the dream of the version of you that lived abroad and in Kentucky who was so homesick and desperate to be a drive away from her family. You live very close to family. You live back in your home county. There's already so many things that I've accomplished in my life that I'm so, so proud of, but I don't often stop to recognize them, to give myself credit for them because I already have another dream in the future or I'm so quick to look at all of the ways I feel like I'm not measuring up and all my failures. So take a moment to really think about what you've accomplished. Take a moment to look how far you've come. If you were to look back at yourself five years ago, what would she think about or he? What would they think about the version of you right now? You've come a long way. You have grown so much. You have accomplished so much. You've learned so much. Take a moment to give yourself some dang credit. Really think about what you've accomplished and what you're good at and assess yourself. Look at your strengths. You've, you're kind of amazing, okay? And I think it's easy for us to convince ourselves otherwise but I want you to take a moment to give yourself some credit where credit is due. This next one kind of builds off of that and it's celebrating the baby steps. Inside of my CLIMB community, which is um, a place where I empower women to create a healthy life they love, we always start our coaching calls every single week with celebration. We celebrate our wins, not just big wins, but the small wins too. Because the truth is that every step of this life journey deserves to be celebrated. The point isn't to be perfect at anything. Nobody is perfect at anything. The point is to just make progress forward. But if we continue to beat ourselves up for every single failure and ignore acknowledging all of the things we're doing well, that's not going to help us increase and strengthen our self-belief in ourselves. And feeling like an imposter 
is a sign that you have very low self-belief. So how can we build that self-belief? The way that we build that self-belief is by changing the conversation that we have with ourselves. And that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in big leaps and bounds. It happens with the small things, with the baby steps, giving ourselves credit for, you know what? I'm very proud of myself for drinking an extra glass of water today. It can be something simple. It can be so, so simple. Let's celebrate the baby steps and work on building that self-belief. Another thing that we can do to overcome imposter syndrome is to stop comparing ourselves. Full disclosure, friends, this one is a tough one for me. It's a really tough one for me, especially in the modern world of social media. The truth is there will always be someone that is better than you, and you will always be better than someone else, always in all sorts of different things. And comparison isn't always that helpful. Instead of comparing yourself to other people, what if we focused on genuinely learning more and improving ourselves separate from anyone else? What if the only person we compared ourselves to was the version of who we were yesterday, last week, last year? The reason that we feel like imposters sometimes is because we're holding ourselves up against someone who we think is better than us, someone who we think would be better and more qualified for the role. And because we don't measure up to that person, we feel like we don't belong here, but you do. You do belong here. You do belong wherever you're at. And if we stop comparing ourselves to other people, it will really help us keep that imposter syndrome at bay. And the last thing I want you guys to do to help you navigate this, again, tying it back to our mindset. So much of our life is connected to our mindset and our thinking and our thoughts. I want you to get compassionately curious about your thoughts. Be quick to question them and slow to believe them. Ask if your doubt, your self-doubt, is it even rational? Where is that self-doubt coming from? And is it even true? Recognize the thoughts and feelings as they arise when you feel them. Like me sitting on that plane thinking, why am I acting so nervous? I got so compassionately curious about it. Why am I so nervous? Oh, it's because I've never been up here before. Oh, it's because I had assumptions about the type of people that flew first class and I was not someone in my brain that fit that mold. Oh, I feel this way because I didn't pay for a first class ticket, but here I am sitting here in first class. Get curious about them. Ask yourself where those thoughts came from and is it true? Does that mean that I did not deserve to sit in first class? No. And I think another way that we can think about this when it comes to our mindset is what if the feeling of imposter syndrome could actually be a sign of personal growth? Stepping into a new space or a new role is going to feel uncomfortable until it doesn't any longer. It's not going to happen immediately. The only way to get more comfortable, to feel less like an imposter, to feel like you belong even more is to just keep showing up. Maybe there are some people out there who start a new job or a new role from day one feeling like, yeah, I got this. I was meant to be here. I was made for this. But I think a lot of us feel like, okay, well, I got the job. Not exactly sure what I'm doing, but I'm here and that's okay. That's all you need. Just keep showing up. We are all just doing the best that we can, all of us. And I think the older I get and the more people that I meet and people who I think of as being really successful, powerful people, the more that I meet people like that and really get to know them on a human level, I realize that all of us are just doing the best we can, that all of us have felt like a fraud, that all of us struggle with self-doubt and fear, at least at some level. All of us struggle with comparison because we are all human 
beings, all of us. Y'all, I love my smartwatch. Not only does it help me get where I need to be on time, usually, but it also helps me be more mindful and aware of my physical activity, sleep quality, heart rate, and so much more. The hardest part though, having it match my outfits and feel as glamorous as I'd like to, but not anymore. Thanks to Sparkle Bands, I have a variety of adorable, chic, and upcycled quality leather watch bands perfect for every outfit. From my cowhide bands to the tooled leather Kaya's Confidence Band with turquoise gemstones that I designed alongside the team. Now my smartwatch feels just as fashionable as I do. This women-owned company is located just down the street from me in my hometown, and I can attest they take their quality and their customers to heart. Check out their variety of high fashion watch bands and more at sparklebands.com. That's S-P-A-R-K-L-B-A-N-D-S.com. And use code KAYA10 to receive 10% off at checkout. Happy shopping. You know, when I was little, I feel like I used to think of adults and thinking about them as just having all the answers and knowing how to do their job. And I, the older I get, the more I think everyone's just kind of making it up as they go and seeing what works and just keeping on with that and learning along the way by making a lot of mistakes. I mean, I think that's the secret of adulthood is fooling children into thinking, you know what the heck's going on, but nobody does. We're all just doing the best we can with what we got. And the more we try, the more information we have and the better we get. And I think so much of this, this imposter syndrome is how can we reduce the feeling of being an imposter by increasing our belief in ourselves. And the way that we increase our belief in ourselves is changing the conversation, how we speak to ourselves, how we think about ourselves, and continuing to learn and grow by keep showing up, by making mistakes, by getting outside of our comfort zone more regularly. You know, when I was jotting down a list of all the instances that I felt like an imposter, I was like, dang, I have a long list. And Lord knows this is not an exhaustive list. (laughs) But I think for me, it's kind of just a sign of my personal ability and willingness to put myself intentionally into uncomfortable situations of being really, really afraid and doing it anyways. And the more that I do that, the more I believe in myself, the more I believe that I can do challenging things outside of my comfort zone because I have built all of this evidence of doing it in the past and not dying and actually figuring it out. And the more that we show up, the more that we continue to get out of our comfort zone and just do the best we can with what we got, where we're at, the more we'll believe in ourselves. And that all happens with slow baby steps. There were a few questions that I saw um, an article about imposter syndrome share, and these are just questions to ask yourself. And so I'm going to share them here so you can ponder them this week. Or maybe if you're a journaler like I am, you can even use them as some journal prompts for you around this conversation of imposter syndrome. The first question is, what core beliefs do I hold about myself? What core beliefs do I hold about myself? Take some time to sit with that this week. Do I believe that I am worthy of love as I am? Do I believe that I'm worthy of love as I am? And the third question is, must I be perfect for others to approve of me? Must I be perfect for others to approve of me? I want you guys to spend some time this week stewing on those questions as they pertain to yourself. And I just want to tell you before we wrap up this podcast that what I believe about you 
is that you are capable of doing hard things. You've made it through 100% of your worst days, that you are strong enough to step into new spaces and new roles and learn and grow and get to a place where you could confidently sit with them. I believe that imposter syndrome and feeling like a fraud does not make you a fraud. I feel like it is a part of the human experience to question ourselves and feel out of place. And I believe that the more that we challenge ourselves, the more that we speak to ourselves with love, kindness, and compassionate curiosity, the more that we can build our self-belief. And I believe that you are not perfect, that I am not perfect, that nobody is perfect, but that we all deserve deep, meaningful love and connection. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what other people think of you. What matters is what you think of you. And if you do not think very kind things about yourself, I want to challenge you to slowly change that conversation because the most important relationship that you'll ever be in is the relationship that you have with yourself. You belong here. You belong where you're at. And I just love you so much. So if you feel like an imposter in any part of your life, maybe you're in one of these transition phases, maybe you're stepping into a new role, I want you to know I'm, I'm with you. I've felt it. And that's okay. We can push through it. And I hope that this podcast helped you uncover places you might be feeling that in your own life and maybe some ways to work through it. I love y'all so, so dang much. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode or any of these podcast episodes, I'd like to ask you one quick ask. One of the best ways that you can support this podcast, which is, is my way of showing up and just pouring love and encouragement into you every single week into this free resource for you. The best way that you can support this podcast is by sharing it with a friend. So if you're on social media, take a screenshot, share it to your stories, tag me. Send a link to a friend if you think that they need to hear this. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review. And if you didn't like this podcast, ignore that and do not leave me a review. I'm kidding, kind of. <laughs> but I love y'all so much. And I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.